and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 83rd episode of the podcast, airing the week of January 6th, 2020. Now, I'm excited to share my delightful interview with LA-based professional astrologer, Rachel Lang, where she joins me in a discussion on Ceres and Pluto, Cycle and Myth which is ever so perfect as dwarf planet Ceres will be caught in the middle of all the Saturn-Pluto action that is culminating at the end of this week. And as Rachel puts it, we are in for a potent family reunion as these archetypes gather in conjunction. So the more we know of her intentions in this mix, the better. Now, as you may recall from the last episode, my weekly astrology forecasts, which includes the tarot polls and the animal ambassador of the week, are now exclusively on Patreon. The first episode of the incarnation, or this incarnation that we're now in, airs January 5th. So if you want to stay up to date with the micro and the macro of the current energies and dynamic shifts that are now underway, you know, please consider signing up. For $5 a month, you'll have access to the weekly forecast, along with early guest interviews and my Astro Storytime back episodes. And for $8 a month, you'll have access to all that I just mentioned, plus the weekly show notes and the option to ask Mel, a new segment of my show, you know, that's added on at the end where I'm going to answer patron questions. And I really do encourage you to ask me anything. Now, this week in particular, you know, has a lot of action, so do consider signing up for the forecast to stay in the know and to support these interview broadcasts in the process. So you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Or you can show appreciation by making a one-time donation over at Mel's tip jar on the front page of energeticprinciples.com. All right, it's time to hear more about Mother Series. So now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Rachel Lang with us. Thanks for joining me, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be on your show. I'm excited to have you. I was actually tipped off to Rachel via uh, April Elliott Kent when she had gone up to LA because uh, because Rachel's in Los Angeles, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she had said, "Oh, I met this wonderful, you know, astrologer, and you we should have her down at SDAS, and you might want her for your podcast." It was so funny because I had a pat- uh, not a patron, but uh, just a, an Instagram person reach out literally like less than five days prior to that, recommending Rachel for the podcast. So it was, it was perfect. Uh, so Rachel, you know, tell, tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure, sure. So I, um, I've been an astrologer professionally for about um, 14 years right now. Um, but I've been a student for much, much longer. I, I discovered it when I was about 14 years old at the library of all places. Um, and I, yeah, work with a, a great, very diverse, in, in, incredible, interesting group of clients. Um, 
And uh, I also write horoscopes for the Omega Institute's monthly newsletter and Livebox magazine. And uh, try to write and contribute as often as I can to as many publications as I can. I just love astrology like, like you um, and can find a number of topics to get obsessed about writing and thinking about and, and, and things along those lines. Yes. Well, Rachel has those air planets. And so she, I'm sure she loves to share yeah. and get the yeah. word out. Uh, right. So I find that interesting because I have uh, every new guest that comes on, or at least an astrologer for the most part, I like to ask them how they got into, you know, what sparked the interest in astrology. And so you said for you, that was when you were 14 and via the library. So what, what tipped that off or like, what was that? Like, Oh, what's this? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I was raised in a, in a very Catholic conservative household. Mm-hmm. And so astrology was never talked about. We didn't, I mean, we didn't talk about any occult sciences, but I was in the library one day and, um, and I just stumbled upon an, an astrology book and it was the only astrology book you'll ever need. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's a big purple book yep. and I took it home and I constructed my chart and, uh, and delineated it using the descriptions and from that moment on, I was, I was hooked. I did everybody else in my family's charts. And, um, and it, it was the first time that I actually was able to, I mean, I was an adolescent. So I was at that critical age of trying to figure out who I was and mm. trying to fit in to, to the world, to, you know, my school. And, um, and it was the first time that I could actually see myself, mm. um, and understand myself. And through that, I came to a place of self-acceptance. And after that, I then began reading every book in the library system. Um, I lived in a very conservative community, so there weren't teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I discovered teachers when I was in college and moved away and, and then um, went to classes and you know, discovered an online community because that was in the 90s when that was starting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then it just became a passion of mine. Mm, I love it. And I love that you, you know, because what I was noticing from people's stories, well, number one, there would be two different books that people would come across. And, the, <laughs> and that was one of the books that everyone would say. Um, but, uh, you know, it seemed like a lot of people would get in around, around 12, you know, the Jupiter return. So I find that interesting that yours was just a couple years later, but so valuable in that point of development, you know, mm. because like you said, like that's when we're kind of finding ourselves the most, you know, we're like morphing into this different body, you know, we're more aware of the social, you know, aspect. Who am I trying to be, you know, <laughs> or who yeah. am I trying to mimic a lot of times, you know, because that's what happens in high school. But um, I'd love that you had that experience so early as opposed to some of us, uh, like myself, that was more around the Saturn return period that we got, you know, into uh, astrology or that it found, you know, its way in. So uh, it seems valuable to get it on the early end of <laughs> things, you know. Yeah, I think so. It gives you a framework. Um, exactly. For example, just, you know, navigating relationships in your teens. Um, friendships and, and all kinds of re- romantic relationships, sibling relationships. Um, and as a Libra, this was a big focus for me, you know? Yes. And if I could understand how my chart related to other people's charts, then it was, um, it, it really helped me navigate those relationships and learn how to communicate 
in a way that um, that that helped me to to have a sense of, of belonging, fitting in. Perfect. Yes, that is very important for a Libra. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and I love the air quality too, because kind of knowing where you stand, like that's, yeah. it's, it's important, you know, like just having that knowing of oneself. So what, I love that story. I love the library component too, because I, I went to school to be a librarian myself first and, you know, oh, I worked in libraries all the time and I just, any fan of the library is a fan of mine. <laughs> well. You'll love this then. So what I, I have a Gemini moon and what I used to do was play a game that I called library roulette, where I would just walk into the library and go down an aisle and pick the first book that I would see. So that was the, that's how I discovered astrology. What? I love that. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> that's so, that's so Gemini <laughs> and the moon too. You know, like if you think about it, like the, that's hilarious. I bet you learned a lot in that process. I did. did you ever get a book and you're like, yeah, a couple pages in, you're like, maybe not so much. Yeah, there were some, there were some math books that were more like that. Yeah, you're like, well, this roulette might need to, you know, narrow down in a little bit. <laughs> Just get roulette in a section, maybe. <laughs> I'd always head to the 133s because that's where I knew where all the, you know, that's all the kind of the cult books are in yes. 133s. Uh, in my Dewey Decimal days when I still <laughs> kind of remembered all that stuff. Um, but yes, I love that. So, well, fascinating story to start off, you know, how Rachel got into astrology and everyone's different yet at the same time, we're kind of all the same. It's, it's how we got there. I love it. Well, today we're actually going to be talking about the topic of Ceres and Pluto around, uh, you know, the, the cycle and the myth of those two together. And there, it's a lot of richness um, in just the, the myth alone, you know, with Ceres and Pluto or otherwise known as Demeter and Hades, you know, depending on where you're reading things. Um, but it's fascinating because Ceres and Pluto are actually about to meet in the skies. And that's why I loved when I contacted Rachel to see what she might be interested in talking about. This was one of the topics that she brought up. And I was like, well, timely, yes. So yes, <laughs> let us do that. Um, so I guess we can start off by just talking about, you know, who is Ceres? Who, who's Pluto? Well, we kind of know who Pluto is. If you listen to this podcast, you know who Pluto is. Um, so Rachel, where, where do we start with the story of Ceres and Pluto? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so as I was thinking about our conversation today, I've, I've been approaching this, this inquiry or just looking at these two, at these two planets together, dwarf planets, um, singly. But I'm aware of the fact that we have Saturn involved as well. And so I think um, this synodic cycle with Ceres and Pluto is really interesting because of the mythological relationship between Ceres, Pluto, and Saturn. And, um, and, and, and so Ceres, uh, or, or Demeter, um, they, uh, she and Pluto were siblings, and Saturn was the father. And Saturn swallowed them. And Jupiter freed them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, and then, and, you know, and then, then later there was, um, there was uh, the, the, the dynamic between per, uh, Persephone or Prosperina, um, Ceres, and, and Pluto. So I think in looking at all these mythological relationships, it's really about power. Mm. Who has it? Who doesn't? Um, it's about what we sacrifice, what 
what we what we hold dear, what we how we fight for what we hold dear, mm. and um, and so I think that these are some of the themes that are playing out in our collective right now, um, and um, and also ones that we'll see that play out throughout the next several years. I mean, thirty four years with the with the Pluto Saturn um, cycle. Um, now. I want to I want to bring in a quote from Demetra George's book, The mm-hmm. Goddess, Goddess Asteroids, which um, I really love. If for anyone who's listening who wants to learn more about the asteroids or wants to start working with them, this is a great place to start. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll bring in a quote. Uh, so one of her quotes, I love this, and she says. Um, and actually, I'm going to read from I'm going to read from the book. So I don't we both you know what's funny is we both we just have it at the ready. But <laughs> <laughs> so say, I second that recommendation. Excellent yeah. book. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. So historically, Persephone's rape, and this is on page 45 of my edition. Just in case anyone wants to to follow along. She said, Persephone's rape symbolizes the power struggle that was occurring between the patriarchal cultures, Pluto, and the indigenous matriarchal cults represented by Ceres. The final outcome of the story points to a clear victory for the Northern Zeus worshipers. The great mother not only had to stand by and watch her daughter being raped and abducted, Ceres was also forced to share her beloved Persephone with the enemy. Hence, she had to abdicate a portion of her powers over the birth and death rituals, a dominion that was eventually wrestled from her in its entirety. Mm. Now, the reason why I bring this in is because as I've been thinking about this Saturn-Pluto cycle, and as I've been thinking about the astrology that led up to it, especially with the north and south nodes being in Cancer and Capricorn, and so much of what we experienced in late 2018, 2019, I've, I've, I've been saying that, you know, the last couple of years were kind of like patriarchy's last stand. And, and Saturn and Pluto representing those patriarchal structures, religion, because they're in Capricorn, religion, government, institutions, family systems, um, basically all of the systems and structures that have formed are what we consider civilization today. And we've, and, and I've, I've been seeing this conjunction being about dismantling, breaking those down and about the, 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 the birth of a new system, a new paradigm, new power structures, a new concept of power that leads us into the Aquarian age when Pluto moves into Aquarius in 2023-2024. And I think Ceres comes into this party, into this Saturn-Pluto party, and it's kind of like a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That's funny. <laughs> and, um, and I think her placement there really shows that, um, that we have an opportunity to either fight for, um, for fight or resist, um, and I'll explain to you what I mean by this in more specific terms. But to either fight for and resist 
the power structures that have led to oppression and marginalization and the destruction of those indigenous cultures, or we have the choice of continuing to perpetuate these power systems, these, these structures that, are, that have, have carried us for thousands of years. And, and, you know, one of the ways in which Ceres mythologically fought um, for Persephone was by creating a lot of environmental destruction, you know? Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and by basically um, throwing a tantrum that affected a whole group of people. Mm. And I don't think, I, I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to make an absolute prediction like this is what's going to happen. Because I don't think so. I think that we have collective um, responsibility for creating the world as we know it. But I think it, it, it allows us, it's going to give us a chance to pause, take a step back, and really um, be proactive in protecting the earth, in protecting children, in protecting you know um, anyone who hasn't had a voice or hasn't had um, a, any sense of power politically or economically. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of the opportunity that we have or that these planets coming together at this time is, is giving us. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting, the, the family reunion, how interesting in Capricorn, nonetheless, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as you were, you know, pointed out the fact that we have the North node and, you know, the South node moving through the cancer Capricorn axis. And, and if you uh, uh, have Demetra's book, you'll, you'll see that she does, uh, lichen series to be associated with cancer, the mm-hmm. sign cancer, uh, possibly the sign Virgo, because she is, you know, she's essentially the one setting up the seasons and why we have winter and why we have summer, you know, when things grow and then when things fall away and that, you know, give and take basically. Um, but also that Taurus Scorpio polarity she mentioned too mm-hmm. of, you know, that kind of, um, that sustaining growth, but also the loss uh, through that. And so interesting. I love that you brought that up about, you know, because that is part of a series of story is taking away, you know, taking away sustenance, uh, you know, that winter of, of the, of the world. And we're going to talk about some of the, the cycles of Sirius and Pluto and how they meet and how they seem to meet consecutively in zodiacal order which is yep. fascinating to me. Um, but really, they've been meeting in uh, Capricorn since, uh, what, maybe 2010? Is 2010. that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yes. we've seen so much destruction take place, uh, especially environmentally since that time, um, where it just seems to be accelerated even more. And when I was thinking about it and thinking about Ceres, especially if she's associated with cancer energy, mm-hmm. you know, because cancer is that water, is that life force, is, is the mother, right? Mm-hmm. Is the father and in the Saturnian nature of Capricorn. And here she is, you know, kind of dried up in her, you know, normal form, but maybe like you said, that, you know, we're drying up because, well, A, you know, it's an interesting point of power because if you don't have those resources and you're not being nurtured by the earth the way that you're used to or you're seeing the destruction through it, then obviously you're going to make different choices, take different responsibilities, you know, Capricorn for moving forward here. So that's, that's, that's a fascinating way of looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, you know, um, it's, it's also interesting between the nature of, because Ceres is tied to motherhood and mm-hmm. fertility, 
it's interesting too to see within the last 10 years how so many of our environmental, the ways in which we've created environmental pollution and environmental toxicity in our food sources has affected human reproduction and fertility. So it's almost like um, there's, uh, you know, these things have reached a critical mass. And, um, and so I think we are on the precipice of change and we are, um, and we are at a turning point. One other kind of cool thing just about the planet series or the dwarf planet series is that scientists at first thought it was dry, thought it was ice, thought it was like there was nothing alive there. And then they recently discovered, or they discovered in, I can't remember exactly what year, but they discovered that it's mostly like 25% water. Yeah. And, and it's one of the planets in our solar system that has the most potential for life. So the, I think looking at this all symbolically, any, in order to source life, we need to protect what is, um, what is associated with the feminine, with, with, with the earth, with um, nature. We have to work in, in, in sync with it rather than fighting against it or trying to control it or dominate it. It's like in order to have the life on earth that we want, we need to have, um, we need to reconstruct some of these power systems, these patriarchal power systems that have caused us to get into this climate crisis or this environmental crisis. Yeah. Cause Ceres is like, she's raving her sickle and she's <laughs> like, look, we're drying up over here and, and we're doing this purposely so that you get, a, well, okay. So I love that you brought up the, you know, the food cycle there too, which is fascinating within, obviously within Uranus being in Taurus right now and a lot of things changing mm-hmm. uh, in, in food development on, on that plane for a whole other reason. But having that, you know, that has actually been quite a hot topic for the last decade, I would say is our, you know, Monsanto and the food sources and, you know, everyone's trying to get cleaner and more organic. And then we're looking at organic and organic's not even organic. And, you know, like we're realizing that it's just layers upon layers of, of systems that have basically got us to this point uh, when, and it's fascinating because if it wasn't for agriculture, because, you know, Ceres and Demeter is the goddess of agriculture, you know, if we didn't have that gift uh, that, you know, she brings to civilization, there wouldn't be the population that we have today. You know, if we didn't become an agrarian culture, (laughs) there was no way that we'd be able to all like hunt and gather. And, you know, like it's agriculture sustains the population it's the only way we can. Um, And so it's very important uh, going forward, obviously, to make sure that, you know, we're not poisoning ourselves in the process. We're not poisoning the land, you know, so soil repropagation, because a lot of uh, the ways we are growing things is actually depleting the land uh, mm-hmm. so that it can't grow any, you know, more. And so all these considerations are coming up and, you know, that seems to be the nature of extremes because we know that Pluto in particular is that point of extreme a lot of times. And so having series. Uh, you know, join, like you said, that Saturn-Pluto party. And at the same time that the Sun and Mercury are too. So, you know, there's kind of the benefit of awareness that comes in as all these planets meet. But it's a heavy awareness, you know. It's, it's, but hopefully we'll want to make changes because, you know, cardinal signs, any cardinal sign, but Capricorn in particular being cardinal Earth, 
that, you know, we are going, it's movable. We want to, we want to yeah. move things along. If it's not working, we're going to pivot. We're going to change course. And so I'm hoping that we'll realize just how special Sirius's gift <laughs> is to us in order, you know, to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, I, I think, I think that's, that's true. Uh, or at, at least, and at least to, because, you know, because I, I really do see this meeting, the, the family reunion being an opportunity to rebalance power, um, mm-hmm. to rebalance power. And, um, and so maybe even the way that we frame agriculture, um, you know, I think that mass production model forcing uh, forcing systems to work that weren't never meant to work. Um, I think that this is, this is, um, I, I love what you said about the sun and Mercury bringing awareness, almost like being the messenger of how we can change and how we can create new solutions for yeah. some of the environmental issues that we have. Well, so that, you know, so basically these are planets are all meeting, uh, Sirius and Pluto are going to meet January 12th, but then we kind of have that January 13th where there, you know, there's a couple conjunctions, you know, going along there. So it'll be interesting to look at the news at that time to see if maybe some of these things that we're talking about here today are going to, you know, pop up into, uh, in, information in our, in our awareness. Um, and it actually made me think of Rachel, like, okay, so I used to work in the shoe industry back in, huh. back in the day. <laughs> I used to be a shoe buyer and was like fashion footwear, et cetera. Well, what I found fascinating, and this actually speaks to, uh, some of the things that you were saying about like, kind of the manipulation and the control of our food supply in order to a feed more people, you know, mm-hmm. right. that's a reality of it, yeah. um, is that I was noticing the changes in people's feet. Huh. So in, really? in the 40s, the common foot si- shoe size for women in America was a five and a half. And in the 60s, it was a six and a half. Now, by the time we got to you know the middle 2000s, early middle 2000s, the common size for women in America was a nine. Wow. And so I started to think about how maybe food production and especially hormone uh, additives that are added to things that maybe that was part of it uh, as we were adding all these, you know, kind of chemicals and hormones into animals and in the land and how that then, you know, came through our body and like, you know, kind of hormoned us up in, in a way. And I mean, I could be off base, but I just thought that was, to me, that seemed like so much sense. So anyways, I just wanted to share that little, little tidbit <laughs> factoid for all yeah. you other Geminis out there. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and, um, and then even like the, the, like the chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, fertilizers and things, um, pesticides, these all affect our hormones. So there's the hormones that we're injecting into food to make it mass, mass produced, to, to make it you know, um, more desirable. Um, and then there's also the way that we're affecting our own hormones by, um, by, by having tox- toxic substances in, um, in agriculture, but then get into our water supply. And so, the, so exactly. it, it's like a ripple effect. There's a ripple. It is. There's a ripple effect here. And so these things are coming up because, you know, I, maybe Ceres has come around three times in Capricorn. It's like, look, all right, <laughs> yeah. so we're just going to beat this message home. And this is kind of that last, because we felt we've been feeling the brew for quite some time, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and so maybe this is kind of her last, like, listen. <laughs> 
right. Listen, you people, you better get this right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then in 2024, she's, they're basically going to meet in whole new cycles in Aquarius, right? And, and hopefully still Saturn ruled sign, you know, Saturn's still dictating this, but um, I'm hoping that there's, you know, innovation or some sort of reform that might kind of be start at that you know, at that junction. I, do you see her moving into Aquarius? What do you think when she moves into Aquarius? Is yeah, I, I agree with you. I actually, I think, well, it's, you know, it's going to coincide with Pluto moving into Aquarius and, True. and uh, Saturn will, will be out of Aquarius, but it, it will have transited through there. Jupiter, I mean, we're, we're getting a nice little Aquarius, um, uh, you know, presence, spotlight um, in, those, in those coming years. And so I do think that there will be lots of opportunities for rebuilding, um, rebuilding technology that comes that comes to offer oh, solutions, mm-hmm. progress um, in those in those things. Um, I think you know to give it a little bit. I want to give a little hopeful message. Of course, <laughs> we, need, message. we all need hope. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got. <laughs> right, right. Um, so the last time, so Pluto, uh, so Ceres and Pluto um, have met up in really important times throughout history. One big one being the American Revolution. Mm. It co- that, that synodic cycle coincided with the whole period that led up to the American Re- Revolution and the Declaration of Independence. Um, prior to that, uh, in the 1500s, 1517 to 1532, these two planets met up in Capricorn. And they meet up every 4.6 years. So they, they begin a new synodic cycle every... So, so the, the, them meeting up together is, is, you know, it happens every, every few years. But when they've met up in Capricorn, there have been big, big shifts in, um, in uh, people who have not had freedom breaking free, expressing, you know, like, or reform. Um, now, in December of 1517, Ceres, Pluto, and Saturn, it was the last time they all three met up mm. in a conjunction. Um, and that was two months after uh, Martin Luther's... Uh, 95 Thesis. Exactly. Yep. exactly. <laughs> that, that was the height of the Reformation that led to spotlighting so many of the wrongs that the Catholic Church was was doing. Now, I'm, I was a theo- I got my master's in theology. I don't remember a whole lot. The, the Reformation was not my focus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a historian, but um, but what I do know is that uh, you know Martin Luther was part of the system. He was in the Catholic Church and he was a biblical scholar, and he was he knew tradition. And so for him to do this was like a big deal because he. Um, because he was breaking away from his from his own tradition, yeah, and it led to systemic changes in the Catholic in in this patriarchal institution. So I think we can look at that history, and even though we're in a very different place at this point in time, we can look at that history and see that a lot of good came out of that upheaval, um, and. And, and, and that's kind of where we are right now. Mm. We're at the point of, of a reformation, of, of a revolution. And it's not necessarily one 
that that presents itself in war or presents it even though there are these those there are there is violence happening in our world right now but it's one that's actually happening in our hearts hmm. you know it's yeah. happening in our relationships it's happening in the way that we can't be bystanders anymore when mm. we're suffering oh <laughs> yeah well that's interesting with i like that because oh, i don't like suffering but i like the way <laughs> i like the angle that you're coming from because that is a point of series uh is that actual you know suffering because she did you know with the loss of her uh her her child or trying to find that and that's part of how we got the winter uh to begin with but it's so interesting a to see some of the reformers that might come out, you know, these kind of Martin Luther type of characters that we're talking about, I would be fascinated to see their own series placements mm-hmm. uh, in the coming, you know, especially at this point in time, but even in the coming, you know, four years before this happens again, and, you know, those people that are helping that process along, it would be fascinating to see if their series, you know, taps into this, you know, squares in, or, you know, how it interacts there. But it's also fascinating because uh, I... I went down the Martin Luther rabbit hole uh, earlier on in the year because I thought that was fascinating the last time that, you know, Saturn and Pluto met in, in Capricorn was during that time, uh, which essentially brought down the system of, you know, religion as, mm-hmm. as the point of being in control of everything. Because right. Martin Luther, uh, even though it was part of the, he was part of the system, he realized the abuses of power and control in the system as people tried to sell indulgences and, you know, here, buy your way to salvation. Very Capricorn, right? Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's fascinating that, you know, through that refora- reformation that he helped, uh, you know, bring along, it actually gave less power to the church, even though it has its own power underground. That's a whole podcast in itself. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's when everything kind of started to change to where we get today. And we have this capitalistic agenda when we have corporations that are very similar to exactly religious structure. So yeah. here we are at this crisis point once more. It's mm-hmm. a, it's different, but it's still the same. Um, and I think that's interesting that you bring up like, you know, especially in relationships and in connection, because that's something that I'm noticing more and more people start to want to move towards because we've gotten so Saturn, so structured, so separated in, you know, our cell phones where we, we text people, we don't even talk to them, you know, we're having more aversion to like connection with people, but people are starting to crave that and all that system and all that separation, you know, there, we're trying to get back to our roots in many ways. Um, and it's interesting to see that Siri is, is part of this journey, you know, she's part of this journey because like you said, she's just helping to amplify what's going on even more so that we hopefully then want to desire to go back, you know, to, to balance that out because that seems part of it, you know, with her, her structure of giving life and giving us food versus pulling it away, you know, she does have that back and forth type of, you know, movement to how she interacts, um, through those kind of extremes, which were used to kind of control Pluto, which is funny (laughs) if you think about it, because he still had his way, right? He got her to eat, you know, I don't think we said, for those who don't know the myth, you know, just in case people don't know the myth, you know, uh, basically Pluto was 
took uh, uh, Persephone down into the underworld uh, with the help of Jupiter, which was a whole other thing. You know, Jupiter, the trust level, you know, Ceres' brother basically was like, gave the okay (laughs) to take her daughter. Uh, And then she almost got, she was trying to get her back. And then she finally arranged something, you know, Jupiter arranged it. But Persephone had eaten the, you know, the one pomegranate seed or some people say like 12 or six, I don't know. But she ate something to where she was still tied to there. And that's why we get that, you know, that that back and forth uh, cycle of renewal in birth and dying and seasons is because of that that sharing that she had to, mm-hmm. to go through. So just uh, FYI, I realized we didn't kind of cover that, but right, yeah, thank yeah. you for, for bringing <laughs> for bringing that all full circle. <laughs> um, now, some other thing she ta- uh, she taps into, which is the this the mother daughter component in in the single parent component. Um, in, in, in a loss and, and rejection and abandonment and grief and things along those lines. Uh, so, I mean, do you, I, I have personal stories to share with that, but Rachel, do you have anything to like any points from that angle to share on series? Yeah. Great question. Um, so, uh, there's, I think that, um, that, that the series, that the series, um, Persephone relationship, um, really points to how those early experiences of our, our mothers, like the, that, that parent-child, mother-child relationship is so instrumental in, in shaping who we are, who we become in relationships. And so it, it provides like a foundation for those, for other aspects of our relationships. And I think, you know, um, issues of abandonment, issues of rejection, and issues of... of um, uh, like you said, suffering, loss, grief, all of those things, I think those can be present for us as we're going into this new series, Pluto Cycle. And I know, I mean, I work with a lot of women who, um, who've who had fertility issues and that, that I have, you know, not, it's not the bulk of my practice, but I have enough to, to where, you know, this is a, a, a common thing, theme I deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there can be a lot of grief, whether you can't have a child, whether you've been trying to have a child, whether you have a child and they've left or they've gone away or they've been hurt or, you know, or you have a stepchild or you're, you know, dealing with custody issues. And so I think that some of these kinds of themes can, can be up for us right now too. Mm, yes. And well, cause I, I never even really thought about it um, until, well, it's funny because I, you know, I was born with the sun and moon in opposition, you know, square Pluto, and I thought that was enough. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, one day when I got into asteroids, I decided to turn on the little asteroid things on my chart, and sure enough, Ceres was there, filling in a grand cross over in Aries. And so I was born uh, at the halfway point of this cycle when Ceres was opposing. Uh, mm. Pluto. And I do, I come from a, uh, a single parent household. Um, who uh, had to go through her own loss of, you know, my, my father leaving and, and, and she basically took me away and I'm, you know, only child, only mom. Right. And so there was a, there's a strong, strong bond there. And what's actually fascinating about, about this, uh, Rachel, I went to go look at my mom's chart real quick to see where her series was. And sure enough, it's conjunct my Pluto. 
and we oh. have a opposite series. Wow. Uh, and, and basically her series is squaring my sun and moon, which happened to be her nodal access as well. So that's like a whole other thing. But this was very much... Um, a theme of growing up for me, obviously, uh, in her dealing with her own loss of not having, you know, marriage work out how she wanted to. Uh, she even wanted other children at some point, but that didn't happen. Um, and also the dynamic is when I was young, I had a really hard time separating from my mother. You know, it could be the cancer son talking, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't sleep at other people's houses. I would like call my mom at like, they'd be like, go to bed. And I would sneak and call and come pick me up. I can't, I can't do it. You know? And, and so there was, I, as a child, I had my own like struggle with, uh, being able to be away from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and and dealing with that and not even realizing that component growing up until later in life as I deal with my own, you know, kind of Plutonian issues and dealing with things such as loss or rejection or abandonment, because that was deep within me with my own upbringing. Uh, but I had, didn't, hadn't really realized that until, you know, patterns come to play in, in life. And so that's a really strong aspect, at least in my mind, of the series mm-hmm. principle. Um, and yeah. you know what's also fascinating. The last thing I'll say about that is that, well, uh, two things, and then I'll. <laughs> a, my mom, when I went to college, uh, six months later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. When I oh, left God. the nest, she's fine. Wow. She made it. Oh, she's good. She's good. Totally good. Uh, she was only forty-two. You know, she was young. But it's so interesting to think that she had a disease like that, and especially you know, breasts and cancer. You know, right, um, right after I left. I, you know, after I left the nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's also interesting about that, you know, fast forward a couple of years later is because Ceres has that connection with, uh, you know, losing things, but also them being returned because Persephone came back, right? Exactly. Um, with conditions, of course. Uh, but I was actually reunited with my father around my Saturn return uh, to help clear up some of those areas and, you know, get some two sides of stories, you know. And so that I just found that fascinating within the whole series Pluto dynamic and especially in relation to my sun and my moon and kind of those mother-father principles squaring into that. So mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my contribution to series. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's, that's such a beautiful illustration of how how it, it's not, it, how it works, how it can function in a chart, um, how it, it um, you know, that she's, she's, you know, I think she's sim- similar to other asteroids, like can be a very subtle presence mm-hmm. if you don't have any aspect relationships or if it's not a really strong placement in your chart. But if it's right there in a grand cross with other planets or even a T-square, even a square, or any kind of, of hard aspect, then she really wants attention. She, yeah. she really wants, and, and it can be such a helpful um, tool uh, to, to bring in asteroids, um, goddess asteroids in particular, um, to help to, to, to give you a little bit of more, of more depth of understanding of certain aspects of your chart, certain aspects of your life and personality. Yeah. Do you, do you notice do you notice um, any series themes when you go through transits to series? I know you just came out of a Saturn Saturn Square. Is that uh, was it Saturn Square series or Saturn? Uh, oh yes, that's Square. right. You know, it's true. Saturn <laughs> Saturn did just go over that point. Square all that. Sure. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there was any sort of, uh, well, you know, what's funny because I think part of this lies in, because there's such a parenting vibe to mm-hmm. series, right? You know, because she has the principle of nurturing, um, and nourishment in that kind of cancer way. Um, and I think I found recently because, uh, you know, basically Saturn was conjunct my moon, you know, that point of nourishment mm-hmm. and squaring all this action is there was a lot of personal reparenting going on at mm. that time for me because, um, you know, we're brought into the world by, pe- by people, but, you know, a lot of the times, unless we had the perfect condition, which mm-hmm. I, you know, clearly mine was, was not, but, and that's okay. That's who I am today. But, you know, part of that process is actually learning to reparent um, and taking responsibility for that, which is a very Capricornian thing, especially having the moon in Capricorn. But I have Ceres and Aries too. So there is that, um, you know, I, my own nurturing has always kind of come from the point of having to stand up maybe for oneself. Uh, I love to nurture other people by like, you know, being like, you can do this. <laughs> take, take the risk. Be yeah. yourself, you know, like that. I'm like teaching you how to fish. I'm not giving you that fish, you know? Uh-huh. And I've uh-huh. always found that um, not only with my interactions with other people, uh, but also with how I approach my, myself. And so I would say that those recent, you know, kind of Saturn action in that area was, you know, dare I say, undoing some of the conditioning that I had already had. And especially for me, that was in the third house. And that was more of a mental process and how, you know, I'm taking things in and, and, and my perception is chewing them over uh, in a Capricorn way. And sometimes that can be a little harsh. Uh, so, you know, that, that was my own, my own journey there. So yeah, I, I would say there was some. Um, how about you? Where's your series located? What it's sign in- do you have it? It's in Virgo, in, oh. my, in my fifth house. And, um, and, I, and I find I do, and it's, it's nicely aspected. It, it, I have a great series. I love my series. Um, <laughs> in Virgo, nonetheless, I'm sure yes, she likes being there. Right, right. And one of the ways that I do nurture, that I find that um, I, I, I desire to nurture, is through sixth house things. Mm. You know, let me make you soup. Um, you know, it's not making a, a, a big big, huge grand dinner. It's like, let me take care of you in the everyday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the simple things, because honestly, the simple things in life, you know, are some, are, are the best. That's like, you know, it, I like that, especially with the food component too, you know, series and, and Virgo because cancer, yes, food, but Virgo food too, right. you know, exactly. both. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, oh, I love that. And so in Virgo here, well, you know, so here we have it in Capricorn uh, and what was, so let's see what uh, Demetra was saying about series in Capricorn. She was likening it to nurturing is tied in with achievement, mm-hmm. uh, responsibility, time management, which was, has been a big thing on my mind recently, time management and prioritization, you know, organizing yourself and your life and your goals uh, so that you're nourishing the most important aspect on that list. Um, And that list might be long. And that's where uh, that Saturn component is coming in right now. And the Pluto component is because, okay, well, you only have so much time. Mm -hmm. You only have so much energy, you know? So you have to take responsibility for what is most important to your own personal nurturing while also balancing that with what you know, kind of what the world and civilization needs too. Um, and maybe what the world and civilization needs is you nourishing the right things for you, you know, and that's part of the, part of the process. Um, 
And so she said imbalance occurs when we equate feeling loved with what we've accomplished in the world. Mm-hmm. And I had noticed that actually in a, in a few cl- recent client uh, sit downs uh, with that kind of theme coming up and people, you know, uh, aligning their, their worth or, you know, their uh, love, you know, ability to be loved and cared for with how much they've been able to achieve in, in life. And yeah, that's a theme I've noticed a lot too. Um, and the other thing that I'm no- so definitely that, that series in Capricorn. Um, and then a lot of self-punishment or self-judgment mm-hmm. if they are not accomplishing their goals. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm noticing a couple of other series in Capricorn themes too. One of them being um, kind of like what you were explaining going into the family system and really getting to the bottom of, um, of, of what didn't work and mm-hmm. what you know, how, how your childhood or how your early childhood experience and, and family structure didn't serve you. And it's not going back um, with blame or with, it's more of going back to fix, to fix it yeah. and saying, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I move forward? So it's more of a productive healing. <laughs> a productive yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. We're getting something tangible out of this for sure. That is going to happen. Um, And well, that's the interesting part, especially when we're thinking about uh, just series relationship. And, you know, I don't, do we know who Persephone's father is? Is that I I don't know either. I'm we're we're both you know, but but it makes me think because I know with my my own mother and my her own you know uh, relationship with that she there was she had her own grief she had her own suffering in that area and then when you're really close with someone you know what baggage you know they have that then gets transferred <laughs> to you know our our familial get baggage gets transferred from one you know generation to another and that's you know part of that ancestral healing and actually that might be part of the series Pluto Saturn too I think so I think it is and and I keep getting I keep saying the family reunion but I think that's kind of what this in our personal lives this is the opportunity that we have yeah to do that ancestral healing and to, um, cause you know, Persephone's rape, we have to see it in the context of Saturn swallowing his children, you know, <laughs> and, right? and creating, we division, <laughs> creating natural division between all of them. And <laughs> so it's like power and liberation and, 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 and in cap in being captured by certain things and tied back and not having freedom of, of choice and, so anything like that that's happening in your family, there's going to be a great big spotlight on it. And so there's a chance to, to, to say enough of this and, and leave it in past generations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and create a new model for future generations. Well, and that's what Capricorn's actually great at. It, yeah. it, it, the, the model, you know, like or, organizing the plan or this is the framework that I'm going to live by now. And so maybe that is part of this, you know, after we've already had two conjunctions of Ceres and Pluto in Capricorn. Um, I'll just throw some dates out there in case anyone wants to get nerdy with it. But the first one was October 19th of 2010. And then the last one was February 15th of 2015. And so here we are 
back again. Uh, third time's a charm, as they say. Uh, and we have quite the pile up with it. So maybe there is that point of entry to reframework some of this, uh, what we're talking about, so that we can get a more practical nourishment um, out of you know some of the things that might have uh, you know held us back in the past. You know, because Capricorn's very much and Cancer, it's very much associated with the past and yeah. sticking with tradition or things have always been this way. So we'll uphold it. Um, and that could be part of that Saturn Pluto struggle, uh, personally and in the world, because you know we're we're torn between oh all this change we got to make. What if we just kind of tighten up this system or, or keep a blind eye to it, or you know, and that's just not going to happen. So um, that's that's fascinating to me that that's because this. I mean, we're not the only ones talking about this. I've seen this all over the internet. Of like. It could just be the Capricorn, but you know, ancestral uh, mm-hmm. connection and healing, and, and that reparenting, and in uh, uh, looking at your conditioning and realizing it for what it is, and accepting it because that's part of series two is that accepting and letting go. Right. Yeah, I think that's a that's such a good point um, because I mean, she really had no other choice. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, and and I think you know her way of coming to acceptance was winter time, um, of, of saying, okay, this is seasonal. So accepting some of the, um, the, the ways in which those old systems are dying and then, and then welcoming the springtime of, of what's coming, what's, what's being reborn, what's being created. Yes. And so we are at that, we, there's so much point of creation right now, even though it's all like in Capricorn, which is essentially the, uh, the other side of the lack of creation, you know, Saturn is not one known for life. Um, but part of that Capricornian and Saturnian process we're going through is weeding out what, you know, is keeping life from, you know, really thriving in, in these old structures and systems like you brought up earlier with the whole, uh, you know, Reformation in the 1500s there. We are back at this place. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is a, a crucial turning point uh, for humanity in, in many ways. And it doesn't, you know, get situated in just a, a couple days time. Like this is a long process. Um, but it'll be interesting to see these next four years as this cycle plays out before Ceres and Pluto meet once again in Aquarius, uh, December 8th, 2024, in mark your calendars. Um, but that's going to be at the same degree as our Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Right, exactly. And I was, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was, as we're talking about the what's being created, I think you know, everything that happens in January or anything that happens in your personal lives, in your, in the collective, it's, it's, um, setting the stage for what we create with that Jupiter Saturn conjunction, the great conjunction. Yeah. This is the, you know, kind of the, 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 the gateway into a whole new era, whole new, you know, this Aquarian age when Pluto, cause they were kind of like opening the door for Pluto to come in. And for, for us to start moving in that direction. And we don't know what it's going to look like yet. We have some speculation. We can look at Aquarian themes and say, well, you know, uh, there's a, a, a two sides of Aquarius. There's humanitarian, collective, community-minded, unity, unified, you know, side of Aquarius. And then there's also the detached, yeah. you know, independent, rebellious side of Aquarius. So... So we're, 
you know, we're, I think that, that there, uh, when Sirius and Pluto meet up again, uh, in Aquarius, it's going to, um, give us an opportunity to, to decide which, which way we want to, we want to build, um, uh, you know, uh, our Aquarian ideals. Yeah. And ideals, they certainly are. And that's, which is going to be fascinating as, you know, when Pluto finally gets there and then Ceres and Pluto will conjunct at the zero degrees, you know, kind of as a, a, you know, an entry kiss into that Aquarius uh, energy. Um, And well, because of what Demetra said about Ceres and Aquarius, I know we're not there yet, but if we look at it in context about the, how the story's progressing, you know, she was writing nurturing individuality and your unique strengths, uh, following your own beat rather than, uh, you know, fitting in that may have went on during the conjunction of the Capricorn. Well, she didn't write that. I wrote that, but, but that's what I was thinking, you know, that if, because Capricorn does fall, fall into a structure or, or that pressure of society or that conformity a lot of times. Um, and so it'll be such a different uh, principle of nourishment going into Aquarius when it's like, no, you know, you, we're all part of the whole, but we all have this individual strength and these unique, uh, you know, qualities that we get to bring to the table. Um, and then hopefully we can, you know, accept and nurture ourselves and our own strengths to all then come together um, in, you know, in this, unique way that Aquarius does. Like you said, it it has the individual, but then it has the whole group at the same time. And it takes all individuals to make a group. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think breaking down some of those um, Saturn, you know, that sad, those Saturn rules of who we're supposed to be Mm -hmm. and how we're supposed to live our individual lives. I think that, that helps us to, to be who we are and, and, and offer our contributions and our unique gifts and, and our 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 um, ourselves to the whole. Yeah, our true our true selves. Yeah. Because maybe some of those old Capricorn structures are no no longer going to be alluring at that point. Right. You know, if we do think about twenty twenty four, we that's when we're going to have another uh, you know total eclipse here in America, which is a whole other thing for another time. But uh, it, it's interesting to think of some of the pivotal changes that are going to be happening during that area. Uh, but right now we are at our own pivotal change in 2020. Um, and I love that Rachel brought this topic up to talk about in such perfect timing because obviously it's literally right around the corner when you're going to be listening to this. So we can really put our psychic feelers on the energy that we're engaging with uh, in knowing that there is that you know nourishment force that is in there, that mothering force, but also dealing with the back and forth of, of, of loss or separation and, and learning how to deal with that and accept it and trust the process to know that, you know, with every, uh, with, with every, uh, you know, sunset, there's always a sunrise. We're going to have a new, new day. And that's, that's part of it. And maybe series will give us a little comfort along the way, (laughs) maybe if we're lucky. Um, so now what would you say, Rachel, would you have any like, you know, tips or maybe takeaways of something to, you know, especially in this particular climate and series in Capricorn? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, first of all, I think um, you know one of the one of the ways that we can prevent uh, we can I think that we we need to think about this in terms of like prevention. Okay. <laughs> what is that? It's prevention yeah. is ten ounces of something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so one of the things that I keep on visioning 
is, um, is like taking time each day as a spiritual practice. And this is something I'm doing actually, um, leading up to this conjunction is taking time as a spiritual practice in a similar way that you would meditate and connect with the divine, connect with the earth. You know, the earth feeds on our energy. And if we are sending love and we are honoring and, and you know, honoring her and giving, offering gratitude for, for, for her, um, then we're kind of counterbalancing some of the destruction and some of that energy that's going into, into her. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I say prevention because I think, I think that, that there could be um, some natural occurrences, some earthquakes, some storms, some, I think that there could be some, you know, it's an eclipse season too. So, mm-hmm. and, and we already see Australia. We know Australia is yes. just poor. Yeah, yes. the fires and, you know, we had an earthquake, just a small one here in, um, close to, to where I live on in the ocean. Um, and, and it's kind of like, you know, there can be shakeups. Um, so I think as much as we can set aside time and energy and, and, and really just sending love into the planet. Mm. Um, so that's, that's one thing. The other thing too, I, I'm, I think, um, looking at your life or, you know, looking at your circumstances right now, identifying where you've abdicated your power, where, who you, where you've given it away and how can you draw that back? How can you, how can you rebalance some of those relationships that where you've lost a voice or where you feel like, like, um, you know, um, like you, you've been victimized in some way or you're that, that have led to suffering. And even if you can't mediate those relationships with a conversation, if it's not possible to get an apology, doing some restorative practices, you know, um, and, and there are lots of, you can Google this and there are lots of ways in which you can do this. But I think, I think forgiveness is going to be important. And as, as much as you can, I'm not, I'm not one to say like, let's rush to forgiveness without going through anger, um, or, <laughs> yes. you know, by giving your power away by going straight to forgiveness. But I think in some of those really difficult, challenging relationships or the relationship with yourself, even where there's a lack of forgiveness or there's there's anger or, you know, the control or power issues. These are, these are places to do some preventative work leading mm-hmm. up to this, to this, um, you know, Capricorn cluster. And so I think those are, those are two things um, that, that we can, that you can definitely do to prevent. Cause you know, if we let resentments build up, if situations go unmediated, if there's a lot of negative energy going into the earth without the balance of positive energy, then we can see crisis points, yeah. which, you know, give us the chance to, to bring things up to awareness in a, in a way that, that gets our attention. So any looking at your life right now, how can you prevent that from happening? Mm, I love that. But, uh, there's, and both of those put together actually, because when you're talking about connecting with the earth in that way and, and kind of, you know, charging her with, with love <laughs> and more of a, you know, a, a positive, because it is true. A lot of times 
<laughs> when we connect with the earth, we're like giving things away, you know, like, yeah. uh, we're like, take, you know, take all my stress, take my anxiety, you know, and then the, then the earth's like, <laughs> um, but so it's interesting to have that balance and maybe that might be part of the, the ritual, you know, especially leading up in this week that you're listening to this, this would be a perfect time to be doing this on a daily basis. But especially, you know, I talk about this here, you know, more than once of, of just earthing and putting your feet on the ground and connecting. Um, because if we are not connected to the earth and we don't have those moments, because, you know, living in big cities, as a lot of us do, there is not those points of nature where we can connect with what series is even trying to share or to remind us of what it is we want and we need to nurture. And, you know, because if we're not connecting with it, uh, then we exclude it or it's not part of the priority or the responsibility in the Capricornian, uh, you know, angle of it. Um, and so maybe that is part of it is going out and connecting. Yeah, give the earth you know, any, all those anxieties or what you want to release. But I love the idea of what you said to like, then balance that out, you know, release it, but then balance it back out with, you know, the, the love and the nurturing and the hope and the, you know, in, in inspiration for what is next, because that's essentially the series cycle, right? She's give her the winter, but then replenish her with the, the spring, you know, in the yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that might be part of a little letting go and, and the, getting back of that control uh, that you might have given away, or maybe you're trying to control too much and you have to let go and accept and trust and release a little bit. Uh, so have that relationship with the earth, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, that's great, Rachel. That's a fantastic advice to share mm -hmm. uh, because the closer we are right now to our planet, I think the more grounded we'll be able to, you know, be through the, this pivotal time. Right. And one other thing too, just to piggyback on that, is that, um, you know, in the scholastic period in the 1100s, there was this whole, you know, this whole um, uh, thinking, this, uh, what's it called, binary thinking, mm -hmm. where, you know, you had certain things associated with male, certain things associated with female, and those things, you know, there was a hierarchy that was established, and, and spirit, God, was to male as earth is to female. And so the more we can break these binary thoughts of like one is over the other mm -hmm. and the more we can bring the earth and the planet and embodiment and all things associated with our physical experience into our spiritual practice, the more we help to counterbalance some of those old, old antiquated ideas about God being higher than, than us or higher than earth. Um, and so, and so when I, when I give this suggestion, I'm, I'm actually talking about breaking down centuries of ideas of the earth not being valuable, not being, not being um, uh, worthy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, you know, being associated with, with feminine. That's, that could be a whole podcast in itself, <laughs> I swear, you know, it's so funny. It's not worthy, you know, we only stand on it every day. We're like literally oppressing the earth every day. We're just standing on it. Um, but no, that, it's a great point to bring up and part of, uh, you know, because when we look at this pile up together, you know, series is kind of only the you know, at least the outwardly feminine representation mm -hmm. in that. Uh, but we tend to forget that Capricorn is, you know, a receptive earth feminine earth sign, you exactly. know, 
it, it doesn't have, you know, there's a lot of speculation that Saturn is more of a feminine energy uh, in, in itself. So it, it is about, you know, kind of opening to connect in a more receptive way uh, than what we're probably thinking of in our mind. Because control is very much an outward going thing because it has control has an agenda versus just being open uh, to receive and connect uh, and let something maybe flow through you. And because Capricorn is a more spiritual sign than a lot of people Mm -hmm. think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a sea goat. It's got like half a goat in the water. And yeah, exactly. It's a combination of intuition and ambition. Yeah. And, and in it, and yet that original sign or the original symbol for it, um, said that you can't really get to the ambition unless you go through the intuition and, and that spiritual aspect yeah. of itself. Yeah, because if you're missing that, you know, the chances are that ambition is going to run amok and then we're going to get these structures or that are not rooted in the, you know, the intuition or this feminine principle. Um, and it's just all, you know, all yang, no yin. <laughs> we, we need some yin back in this place. Uh, so that's part of, of this process, I think. So... All right, Rachel. Well, those were, uh, you shared some lovely things. I, you know, I'm so glad we got to bring up this topic in, especially a series, you know, she's, she's going through some things. Series is going through some things. She needs our help. Yep. Um, (laughs) And we're going to be there. We're going to be there to help her. Um, So, all right. Now, where can people find you, Rachel? What do you got going on? Um, My website is rachellangastrologer.com. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, uh, LinkedIn. Um, and I, I teach classes. I do sessions. I uh, am starting some mentoring groups in, in, uh, later this year. Um, so yeah, that's how to find me. Perfect. And so, and she isn't, you're in the Los Angeles area. So I know we have a lot of Southern California listeners to the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. just keep in mind if you are in that zone, uh, Rachel is over there. Um, now, all right. So where can you find me? Well, I always do a blog post with for guests. So I will have her information up there as well. And probably some sort of series related, you know, material to share because I tend to do that. So you can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. And also you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at energetic principles. And just a reminder that my weekly forecast is now on Patreon. So if you enjoyed that uh, for the last 83 episodes, you can now get that over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, this is a pivotal time in the astro world. So share this with a friend, let other people know, you know, uh, get series on the radar, especially, especially if people have stories like the one I shared about my, with my own self, you know, because if you come from that single parent upbringing or you have some of the things are struggling with some of the topics that we discussed today, you know, you might want to look at where series is in your chart or, you know, and that's what Rachel and I are here for too, if you want to find out more. So, you know, share it with some friends, leave a nice review wherever you listen to this. Uh, and yeah, just spread the good word. So, all right, Rachel, thank you so much again for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show. It's been really, really fun. We should do this again. Absolutely. I know where to find you. Uh, <laughs> all right, everyone. And thank you so much for listening. And as always, may the stars be with you.